When a young girl has a dream over and over and over again, she has no idea it's about to lead to the darkest conclusion. Then we meet a man who's so good at video games, he believes he may have powers beyond that of normal men. And finally, we take a look at the story of a young mother and her toddler residing in a one-bedroom apartment. Life isn't easy, but it's about to get a lot worse when the world of the paranormal enters their home. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. My internet's a little slow. Um, I should should be more specific. It doesn't exist at this point. Recording this episode kind of feels like if I was on Mars, right? And I saw a bunch of mushroom clouds on Earth, and I'm like, well, I hope someone can hear this. I hope I'm not just recording this for myself. Um, assuming that you guys are, you guys have downloaded this. I've somehow found a way to upload it. I probably went to a coffee shop. But someone who always brings the coffee to me, my own personal assistant, he didn't know this when he signed up for my Patreon, but that is legally binding, walking into Dead Rabbit Command. Everyone give it up for our newest Patreon supporter, Darian. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! <laughs> but don't clap too loud. He's carrying hot coffee, and he's scared of loud noises. You don't want him to spill it. Darian, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's totally fine. If you don't want to be my indentured servant, that is totally fine. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. I also just got out of the shower, too. <laughs> so I'm, like, tripping wet. I'm ruining my bed. I'm recording this and yesterday's episode in my bedroom. It's the coolest place in my house. And that's actually a good segue, because all of these stories I did say I was going to talk about yesterday. I said I was going to talk about the alien invasion in Peru, but we're going to push that off for one more day. So keep the resistance going. <laughs> keep shooting those bulletproof aliens. We'll be covering that story on Monday. Still waiting to see how a couple things play out, seeing how much territory these aliens are able to conquer. We're going to talk about houses. <laughs> Jason, I was looking forward to the alien invasion story. I'm currently in hiding in Peru. I was hoping you would give me some tips to defeat these guys. Hold out till Monday. Today we're going to talk about the house, right? Houses. You're <laughs> already shutting it off. Like, Damn it, Jason. No, talk about aliens. Houses are the place we're at the most, so that when when creepy stuff happens in our homes, in, in, in really normal daily life, right, a lot of the paranormal stories I do like to cover seem to happen just at random places, not necessarily the haunted graveyards, not necessarily the cursed caverns or the uh, alien-scorched warlands of Peru. No, I found these three stories, and I really wanted to share them with you. Um, I uh, Let's go ahead and get this started. Darian, we're going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. Let's fly out of Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to a little girl's house. <laughs> Flying over the landscape. We don't know exactly where this story took place. But we're about to meet a young girl. Uh, she didn't give her real name. We're going to call her Maria. I'll assume Oregon, actually, now kind of looking at some of the details. This story 
Probably takes place in Oregon. For all I know, it is happening next door to me. We're about to meet this young girl. Her name's Maria. Now, as a child, Maria had a reoccurring dream. I've never had a reoccurring dream. I always find that fascinating. I don't think I have. Maria, though, had this reoccurring dream for years. In her dream, she would be at her grandparents' house. And she would find herself standing in the backyard of their home. The dream was always the same. She was standing in the backyard. She was facing the grandparents' house. And she would just be standing there. And she said, the dream seems so mundane. Really didn't seem like a big deal. I never told anyone about it. Because the dream was me standing in the backyard of my grandparents' house, and I'm looking towards the house, and everything looks fine. There's no creepy goblin staring out of the window. There's no shadow man lurking in the bushes. Just what it would look like if, in reality, she was standing in her grandparents' backyard. Nothing about the dream looked weird. Everything looked fine, but Maria, every time she had this dream, in the dream, she had this intense feeling of sheer terror. Something was horribly wrong. She couldn't see it. She couldn't tell you what it was. But she just felt this feeling that nothing was right. Something was terribly wrong. And then she'd wake up. It was always the same dream, always the same house, always the same backyard. She was always standing in the exact same spot. It was that repetitive. But, again, seems pretty mundane. Pretty boring. Maria then writes, quote, In 2018, my dad walked out to that spot in the yard and killed himself. She hasn't had the dream since. That's a terrifying story. And it's one of those stories that I honestly think is kind of hard to place in the pantheon of the paranormal. Because what we have is Maria. Online she goes by the name OSU Jilly Bean. I'm, I'm honestly thinking that might be Oregon State University Jilly Bean. But we have this young girl dreaming about a horrific event. Her father, not he's not having the dreams. He's not seeing the future. She's seen, and, and, and again, like, she's not really even seen the future. There was nothing in this dream that could have led her to ever think anything would happen here. Other than the fact that it was a reoccurring dream. If she had this dream once, she probably wouldn't even remember it. But she had this reoccurring dream. What was this? In the world of the paranormal, what was this? A prophetic dream involving somebody else. Now, we've covered stories like that before. We had that creepy story about the shipwreck and a man who was on this ship. He was the only survivor because he got off 
a stop early. I'll put the episode in the show notes, but he had this dream of a man in a uniform holding, I think, a sword in one hand and a bloody rag in the other, and he was standing in front of all of the passengers of the ship. And so he got off. He also There's also a lot of structural problems with the ship, and he had spent his life at sea, so that was kind of the, both of those things coming together. So he had a dream of other people dying, but also his dream was he was on the ship as well. Here's a dream of... And, you know, people have had dreams about natural disasters and things like that, but this is far more personal. And again, someone may have a dream of a natural catastrophe hitting a particular area, and then that happened. That's not what this was. She was just having a weird dream, and the only thing she could tell was that something was wrong, but it never occurred to Maria, and it's not her fault, that something bad was going to happen here. It's such a... I don't want to keep overusing the word, but a mundane dream. The only particularly weird thing about it has happened over and over again. So did she foresee her father's death? And her brain not able to process it because that's so horrific, right? Her own father killing himself. Is that the only way that her brain could process that? You, you have to look at it that way. Another couple ways you look at it is that this area... Th this might sound a little tasteless. This might sound a little tasteless, but that particular area there may be... There may be something wrong with it. And it's not... It didn't cause the father to kill himself. But there may be a negative energy there that drew him to do it in that place. That's a little more far-fetched. But we do know... I mean, there are blessed locations. You can go to a place that the Druids used to hang out there. And then the Roman Catholics bulldozed all the trees and put up a church there. That's not just because they wanted to use the same location that the Druids used to come to. So when the Druids showed up one day to pray to the trees, they're like, well, the trees are gone, but this wooden church is here. Might as well see what that's all about. There are places in the world that have positive energy, and there are places in the world that have negative energy, and it's possible that that's what this place was. And so the dream was her just feeling subconsciously that negative energy there. But the fact that it was in the exact same spot. You know, a place can have negative energy. I don't know if it's as small as like a foot by foot square. Maybe, right? I, I don't know. But it's just a creep. It's a creepy story. And um, I don't want to say that the father would not have killed himself had he been in a different location. That's a, too tasteless even for me. But it's possible that when you want to commit such a tragic act you're drawn to a location that's already soaked in misery and darkness it's possible but there are you know I, i've had a close friend of mine uh, take his own life and i don't think he did that because of any sort of paranormal activity or he chose the location for any sort of paranormal activity it, it's it's just it's creepy she she didn't know it and but she was tied to the end of her father's life she in a way, knew the exact location. She just wasn't able to decipher it. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that had she told anyone about this dream, things would have been different. I'm not saying that. Had she mentioned this to her father at some point in her childhood or when she's a young adult, that the father would have been like, oh, well, then maybe I won't kill myself. I'm not I'm not putting any of this on Maria. This is a really dour episode. You just came back from vacation. Don't worry, the next two stories are... A little more upbeat, Darian. I'm sorry, Darian. 
uh, that this is the episode you're hanging out. And we got uh, some more upbeat stories. But it's just, a, again, a creepy, creepy story. Darian, let's go ahead and toss you the bunny bicycle. Hope you can catch a 80-pound bike. It's an e-bike now. Everyone hop on board. We're going to leave behind this young girl's house. Pedal us all the way out to Sweden. What is my bicycle sound effect again? It's the baseball card in the spokes, right? Oh, wait, no, no, no. It was Ika, Ika, Ika. Ika, Ika, Ika. I'm supposed to be pedaling a bike. <laughs> Bunny bicycle we don't use a lot. Darian's pedaling us all the way across the bottom of the ocean. Eventually, we're going to reach Sweden. Now, I, I, the, the person who posted this didn't specifically say that it's in Sweden, but looking through their profile history, they do speak or write Swedish from time to time, and they play this weird game. We'll get to that in a second as well. Some Swedish game. I never heard of it. But anyways, we're about to meet this young man. Let's go ahead and call him George. George, he's 30 years old. It's July 11th, 2023, and he walks into his bedroom, and he's kind of like cracking his neck. He's cracking his knuckles. He's cracking his knees. She got a chiropractor. And he sits down to play a good old game of Counter-Strike Global Offensive. That's not the weird game I was talking about. <laughs> like, Jason, that game's world. It's popular all over the world. It's not just a game Swedish play. Counter-Strike Global Offensive. It's a game, if you're not familiar with it, where people have teams. It's a video game. <laughs> I should clear it up before I start talking about shooting and stabbing each other in the neck. It's a video game. Very, very popular video game. Team Deathmatch. You run around bases and you shoot people in the face and stab them in the neck with a knife and you can buy very expensive skins i never played counter-strike i played team fortress 2 and i played a ripoff of counter-strike because it was free and my computer could run it called nexon zombies which <laughs> everyone's like Jason, that's why your computer doesn't work that that video game is full of viruses nexon is i think it's a south korean game or it might be a chinese game it's counter-strike clone but with zombies and Godzilla type, I loved it, dude. I spent hundreds of hours playing Nexon Zombies. Really, really enjoyed playing it. Anyways, running around, shooting people in the face, stabbing them in the neck. But you wouldn't want to go up against George. Because George, he goes, I'm not always this good. But on July 11th, 2023, George sits down to play some CSGO. That's what the cool kids call it. And he's doing really good. He's doing really, really good. Jumping around. Pistoling a dude in the face. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> Moving. And he has a sense. Someone's about to peek around that wall. George blows his brains out. Yeah. Someone's standing behind him. George spins around. There's no one there. But a split second later, an enemy teammate pokes his head out. And George lights him up. He's doing good tonight. And he can tell there's a difference. He goes, listen, I'm not terrible at CSGO, but on July 11th, 2023, I'm pro-level. I, I feel like I'm running wall hacks. Like, I feel that I know where everyone's at at all times. No one can get the drop on me. In fact, I'm opening fire... A split second before they even are in my line of sight. The bullets are hitting them. And I didn't even know they were going to be there. But I knew they were going to be there. 
I was making shots that I never have been able to make before. And I do play CSGO a lot, but on this particular night, one in a million shot, time after time after time after time, he goes, I did a no-scope across the map before I even saw the target. I knew it was going to be there, and I put a sniper round right through his trachea. Later that night, George crawls into bed to go to sleep and closes his eyes. And he could see the lightning. But not just see it. Right. With his eyes closed, he can see lightning strike through the darkness, but he, it's not just his vision. He goes, I can feel it. I could feel the synapses within my brain communicating on a level that, I don't mean to brag, but it felt superhuman. The lightning was in my brain, and I could see it, and I could feel it jumping around, making these connections that shouldn't be possible. My brain was moving faster than anyone else alive. And he goes, this wasn't the first time I had experienced this. It's interesting how we make connections over time. Had this happened a single time, you may go, wow, that was weird. (laughs) That was weird. That day, everyone thought I was cheating. And then when I went to bed, I saw blue streaks of lightning crawl across my brain. No, he goes, this wasn't the first time that I did it. There are some times where George said that he could chalk it up to a lucky guess. He would do things based off intuition, and and it would be correct. But as time progressed, he started to realize there's something behind this. I'm not just lucky sometimes. I'm not just making one in a million chance bets. No, somehow I'm figuring stuff out that I shouldn't be able to figure out. He goes, for example, there's, I guess there's this game in Sweden called Pingus, which is ping pong to everyone else on the planet. Uh, Sweden just wants to be difficult and call it Pingus. He said, in a a matter of six months, I went from going, oh, Pingus, that looks fun, to becoming one of the best pingus players around. Now, he doesn't necessarily say he's a national pingus player. I'm not doxing anyone. Maybe just the best pingus player in town. But he goes, within six months, I became extremely proficient at the game of pingus. I knew where that ball was going to be. I knew what move my opponent was going to do before they knew it. And to make things even odder, at some point he had broken his right hand. Probably from patting himself on the back so hard. He's like, I'm the best, I'm the best. Ah!" He broke his right hand, so now he's playing left-handed pingus. Still dominating the game. He ended up playing in a tournament and winning. And that night, after the pingus tournament, closed his eyes to go to bed. Saw the lightning once he closed his eyes. 
And that was before the CSGO game. I mean, pick, pick which one you think is more impressive. You're like, what's Bingus? CSGO is really, really hard. And he began to figure out or try to figure out what could be causing this. And what he explains is he thinks what happened was one day he was quote-unquote semi-struck by lightning. It's a pretty good guess, right? You're seeing lightning in your vision, and uh, at some point you got semi-struck by lightning. He explains that by he was talking on a phone that was plugged into the wall charger when lightning struck in the backyard, and he passed out. Because that is super dangerous. You're not supposed to be doing that. Uh, he didn't get exactly struck by lightning, but it was enough to travel through the wiring in the house, through the phone charger, <laughs> and into his brain. And he passed out when this happened. He said, ever since then, he goes, I can't control it. But ever since then, I feel like at times I entered this flow state where I can predict what people are going to do at such a level that it's almost like I'm reading their minds. Here's a little known fact about me. I love lightning. Now, not like, yeah, lightning storms are cool. Lightning, you know, up in the sky and stuff like that. But what I really like is the idea of being... <laughs> Being struck by lightning and gaining lightning abilities. Whenever someone asks me, if you could have any superpower, what would you want? My answer is always lightning. I'm like, what? That's not a power? You're supposed to say flight or super strength. No, lightning. Because then I can do everything, right? I'm bulletproof because you can't shoot lightning. And I can fly because lightning's in the air. And I can electrocute people. It's pretty self-explanatory. As far as that, it's in the word lightning. I love the idea of being struck by lightning and gaining superpowers. And I hope you know that you don't gain superpowers by getting struck by lightning. Well, true, but case in point, the story I just told you, that's a superpower. I would, I would love to have the ability to predict what people were going to do before they do it. Lightning powers. My great uncle, I remember hearing this story when I was a kid, my great uncle was walking, this is old, right? This is like 1920. My great-uncle, maybe great-great-uncle, he was walking across the family farm out in Orangevale, and he was carrying two metal pails and two pigs. He wasn't carrying the pigs, let me rephrase that. You're like, whoa, you're related to Hercules? He was carrying two metal pails, and walking alongside of him on each side was a pig... Probably pet pigs, or probably the eaten pigs, I don't know, but he's... I, I don't think he would train a pig to walk next to you if you're like, I'm gonna eat you, you're all taking bites out of it. You're like, oh, you're my walking beef jerky. Yum, yum, yum. He's walking across the farm, and he's holding a metal pail in each hand, and underneath each metal pail is a pig on either side of him, right? So you can picture this. And then there was a lightning storm. And he's like, ah, oh, Bessie, ah, oh, pig boy. Let's go. We got to get in the house. I'm so hungry. I'm going to eat you right when we get in. They're like, oink, what? He's walking with these metal pails and lightning hit my great, great uncle. And it coursed through his body and shot through the metal pails 
you know, like, uh, you know, like a pail, like a, is that the right word for it? Bucket, I think is what people call it. Metal bucket. You know, Jason, I'm trying to figure out what a metal pail is. That, that's a thing, right? He's carrying these metal buckets. The lightning hits him, goes through him, shoots out of his hands through the buckets, and kills both pigs. And his hands were fused to the metal buckets. They I, apparently they had to like pull his fingers back, and they had to like repair his hand and rip the bucket, like rip the metal handles out of his hands. He's like, "Oh, I thought I had superpowers. I was gonna be Bucket Boy. I was gonna fight crime." I remember hearing that story. He was totally fine. I mean, other than the searing pain and the permanent damage to his hands and the fear of lightning after that, he was totally fine. I would have eaten those pigs too, dude. I bet you there's nothing better than eating an animal that's been killed by a lightning strike because it's like cooked from the inside. Because you'd cook it more, probably. But you figure like the lightning is so hot and electrical that if it had any sort of like like diseased skin, Mad cow disease of all. Yummy, yummy, yummy. This will cure it, right? They're like, no, stop it. I go, I'm going to start with the brain. A delicacy. No, no, no. You figure, like, I bet you if a lightning hit a pig, it would taste really good. Because it's, like, instantly cooked. <laughs> it's not a cartoon. If a lightning hits a goose, it doesn't just turn into a cooked goose. Eat up. Anyways, George Online goes by the name Ikbra, which hopefully isn't, like, some horrific cuss word in Swedish. But Ikbra... We will see if a major new athlete comes out of Sweden anytime soon. It may actually be the man who can see the future. Because if you can see the future, how much skill do you actually... And he seems to be learning, picking up games really quickly. Like, for all we know, Sweden's about to have the top basketball player, football player, NASCAR driver. It's all the same guy. Everyone's like, dude, what an awesome dude. You're so good at everything. But we'll know. We'll know it's not him that's great. But the lightning in his brain. <laughs> and also, I think whenever a lightning storm starts, everyone will start plugging their phones into the wall, hoping for a little bit of that unlimited power. Darian, let's go ahead and call in the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Sweden. Fly us all the way out to an apartment complex. <laughs> Darian, I want you to go ahead and land this carpenter copter in the apartment complex parking lot. We get out, we're walking around. Again, like so many stories on this podcast, we don't have an exact location. But we're about to walk into the apartment of a woman. We're going to call her Susan. Now, Susan has said that throughout her life, she's experienced paranormal activity. But what's going on right now? is something she's never had to deal with before. She has a one-year-old daughter, just turning one years old. We're going to call the daughter Becca. So when you have a little one in the house, things are definitely... <laughs> you, now that you're taking care of somebody else, right? If you, are, if you have to deal with ghosts on your own... Again, <laughs> I'm not saying it's pleasant... But you know what I mean? Imagine if you were in your house and somebody broke in, like a burglar breaks in and they have a crowbar and they're yelling at you. It's like in the middle of the night, right? And they're pulling you out of bed and put, trying to put zip ties behind your back. 
that's one thing, right? Again, very terrifying. I know what I would do in that type of situation. <laughs> Using my lightning powers, I would get out of those zip ties and take them to the local constable. You you may have a game plan if someone breaks in your house in the middle of the night and you wake up and there's a guy with a crowbar at the foot of your bed. Not a ghost, not a ghost, not a shadow man, a real man. But imagine if you knew in the room next to you, you had a sleeping child. Right? Obviously, the situation's going to play out a lot differently. If someone gets the jump on you, you can fight back. But imagine you go, well, if this fight goes south, they're going to hurt my kid. Now, you may still fight back. And there's a lot of different options I can have in there. But you guys understand what I'm saying. And you're like, Jason, whatever story follows this Horrifying example can't be any more terrifying than a real-life man in my house beating me with a crowbar while my daughter sleeps in the next room. Well, anyways, Becca, she's just turning one years old, and Susan and Becca live in this one-bedroom apartment. Susan goes, this this apartment complex isn't super old. I see this comment a lot in ghost stories, because people assume only old houses are haunted, places that have a history. She, but that's just not the case. She said, this apartment complex isn't that old... Isn't that old? It was built back in the 70s, 80s, something like that. And Susan started to notice odd things because this is a one-story apartment. Yet, despite the fact that she has no neighbors living above her, she can hear people up there. She says that coming from her roof, she hears the sound of people talking. The sounds of people moving around, walking up there. There's no one there. She says every so often, you'll hear the sound of the front door being unlocked and then opening up. You'd hear the front door unlock and then open. She's saying She never says that she physically sees the door open up, but you hear the sound of it being unlocked. You hear the sound of the front door opening, and then shortly after that, you'll hear the sound of the back door being unlocked. And the sound of the back door opening. And she said, whenever I get up to check, which he would do every single time, she goes, the door is still locked. The deadbolt is still engaged. No one actually came in. But it sounds like someone is entering and then leaving the home. What's happened recently, this has been going on for a bit, but what, what has happened more recently? May 2023, Susan was sitting at home with her daughter, and they hear the sound of the front door being unlocked. Click, click, click. Sound of the door being unlocked, the sound of the front door opening, and Becca looks over at the closed door that just made the sound like it was opening. The door is closed. Becca all of a sudden had this terrified look on her face. This child who's not even one year old looked over and saw something so evil, so incomprehensible, that you could watch the expression of this little baby's face change. She began screaming, she began wailing. She was horrified by what she saw, but Becca saw nothing. But when Becca looked over towards the door, there was nothing there. 
Susan says this has happened more than once. One day, Susan was out in the back, watering her garden. Spraying water out of a hose, giving those little lilies a little bit of yummy, yummy moisture to suck up into their roots. Susan spraying the water, and like water does, it goes everywhere. Spraying not just the plants, but the soil of the garden, and then the grass surrounding the garden, and then the exterior wall of the apartment, and the fence surrounding this area. Spraying this water around. And something catches Susan's eye. The fence, this backyard fence, is covered in water. But she sees the clear outline of a handprint on this fence. It's the only place on the fence that's completely dry. Susan stares at this handprint for a few moments. And then... Sprays the dry handprint until it is gone. It's interesting. There's something about this story that is uniquely terrifying. This is a story, I mean, she posted this back in May. I've had this kind of ready to go for a while, and it kind of got pushed back here and there. And But I never forgot about it. I, I don't know what it is about the dry handprint. I find that... Again, very, and the stuff we talk about, you know, global alien invasions and these conspiracies that affect our daily lives and demons and all sorts of things. Such a simple story of a wet fence, a completely soaked fence, but in the middle of it is a dry handprint. There's something uniquely terrifying about that, even though it is mundane, even though it is mundane in the grand scheme of things, because... This is, whatever is in this home, it has the ability to be completely invisible. But it's choosing not to be. You know what I mean? Like, this thing left the handprint there on purpose. A lot of time, ghosts, they're not... Sometimes it's just a, a psychic recording of an event. There's no consciousness, consciousness there. But even if the ghost is something you can interact with, I do believe that certain people have easier times seeing these things and interacting with them. I think everyone can do it. I think it's a learned skill. Some people are, you know, natural. But everybody can learn it. I don't think ghosts generally, though, choose when to be visible and when to be invisible. They take moments in time when the energy is right, when the right observer is there, and they can manifest. This thing is choosing to do things to make itself be known to this family. And that, that, that's a threat. That's a threat. 
it had to have been standing out. I mean, really, what we know of the physical world, obviously, paranormal is a bit different, but it had to be standing out there during the day. Put its hand against the fence. So she would spray and she would see it. It's creepy. I find this story uniquely disturbing because there's just such a level of sinisterness to it. The voices are coming from the roof. We've covered stories like that before. I'll try to cover, I'll try to find it because it's one of the lost episodes. It's where the show notes weren't super specific, but there was a college that had a three-story building and, and I believe someone had died on the third story. Third story was haunted. Eventually, for non-ghost-related reasons, they razed the entire building. They destroyed it and put up a two-story building, and people can still hear ghostly activity coming from a couple feet above the roof if you're out there late at night. So there is precedent for that. That would make you think a ghost. The door opening and closing, too, would make you think that, even though this pharma complex is new, there might have been an older building there, and this is a ghost. But the fact that the older building would also have a front door and a back door in relatively the same locations, now you're getting into something that's probably not a haunting. It's probably not a residual haunting. Something is affecting this place on purpose. And it's like you hear the sounds at first, but now the child can see what's coming through the door. Before, you would just hear the sounds, and you'd wonder what it is. Now, Becca can actually see this spirit, or this demon. Moving through the house. Now, Susan can't see it. But I'd argue she can't see it because it doesn't want to be seen by Susan. Yet. But someday it may make its appearance known to her as well. It obviously is toying with her by leaving the dry handprint on the fence outside. This was posted online by someone going by the name OK Revolution 7227 and like I often do when I'm looking at these accounts, I'll try to see if I can find out their posting history. The first thing I do is to check out to see if they've posted a bunch of paranormal stuff in the past. If they do, it can kind of make the story seem a little less credulous. Even though people have sometimes a string of paranormal stories in their life when all of it is super unique, one-in-a-lifetime paranormal events all by the same person, then a lot of times I just have to go, well, this... This does. This seems like they're just a fiction writer, or it's a ARG or something like that. And it had been a while since I had had this story to go. So today, this is why I was checking my internet out, and while I was so frustrated I couldn't get my internet to work, I decided to take one more look at OK Revolution's account to see if anything had happened since May. Nothing paranormal related, but I did find out that. Susan is currently pregnant with twins. You know, it changes the game when you have other people to take care of. I wonder if there are ghost hunting groups. I'm sure there might be one or two out there, but none that I can think of. Regional groups might do this, but... You notice most ghost hunting groups are age homogenous. Bunch of teenagers doing it. Bunch of college-age students doing it. Bunch of adults doing it. I can't imagine it would be a good idea for, like, a father and son ghost hunting team, assuming that the son is, like, 10 
and the father's in his 20s. Because the risk factors change dramatically when you bring children into the mix. There are certain things that you're capable of doing when you don't have to worry about anyone else around you. Now, I'm not saying the story wouldn't be uniquely terrifying or even worth reporting if Susan was just a single woman living in a house. I would still cover it. I find this creepy. But you have to think, like, there is a different level of terror involved when you're already trying to be a mom. I guess she has good relations with the father. I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but, you know, when you look around people's accounts, it seemed, from what I could gather, you know, the uh, Becca's dad... I don't know if they're still together, but everything seems to be going good between them. I believe he still plays a part in their life. But in you know, just physically speaking, it seems like she and Becca live alone. It has to be way more terrifying when kids are involved. And I guess I never really considered that. Even though we do cover a lot of stories of kids and the paranormal, a lot of times it's from the point of view as an adult. Like the first story, right? She had those dreams for years, but she's writing it, I'm assuming, early 20s minimum. Maybe older teenager, but... A lot of these stories go back when I was a kid, when I was five. I remember these times where I stayed at this old... You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times it's adults reminiscing about it. Sometimes it's about kids going through things. But this story... Again, I think there's a sinisterness to this entity and it is slowly making its plans maybe not its plans but its presence known it's gearing up for something it'd be scary enough if you were living alone and you heard the sounds of people talking people moving around coming from a place where no people ever go. It'd be even scarier if you had a child and you knew that something was entering your house and there was no way you could stop it from coming in. It's defying the laws of physics. And not only is it entering the house, it's letting you know it's in the house by opening and closing the doors. Not physically. Which, again, is a different type of terror. If the door was opening, you could logically say, well, the door is, there's something wrong with the door, the lock's broken, whatever. You could rationalize that. But if you hear the door opening and the door doesn't open, you physically see the door is closed. Now you go, this is either paranormal or I'm losing my mind. But when your child also hears the door open, you know it's not just you. And again, this thing could enter and leave the house unknown. But it wants to be known. And then it starts making itself physically visible to your child. Someone who can't explain what they're seeing. Someone who's completely defenseless. It's feeding off that fear. It's bad enough if you're a single person and you're experiencing weird paranormal events. It's even worse if you're a parent and you're experiencing these unexplainable activities. But imagine not only being a parent, but a parent-to-be as well. You have two new children coming into the world in just a matter of months.
you'd almost have to, I mean, assuming you can't move, just try to ignore it. Try to not give it any sort of power over you. But whether you can do, choose to do that as an adult, but your child can't, I am curious from a researcher standpoint, I guess I've never thought about this before, the effects of the paranormal on the unborn. Do fetuses dream of demonic sheep? Can a child that is still in the mother's womb, not, I don't want to go so far to say possessed, that's a little too creepy and a little too a horror movie, but can they be terrified? Can they be haunted as well? If this entity can easily pass through a door, could it not easily pass through the flesh of a mother? What happens when this creature decides to leave more of a calling card than just a dry handprint on a wet fence? What happens then? I think when you're looking into the world of the paranormal, some questions are best left unexplored. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so, so glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Bye.